everyone, and welcome into another edition of Coach Time here on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons, and I am joined by the one and only Brendan Connolly. Some people call him the King of Quincy. He is the sports director at WMEX, and he also does sports WATD. And you've probably heard him, maybe even with me, before on Sports Map Radio. He's a regular host there. Brendan, pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for joining. Thanks again for having me on the show, John. And it's great to be a part of the Believe Network, too, now. It certainly is. And why don't you give our listeners who maybe on the Believe Network haven't heard you before a little summary of uh, what you're working on? So, I mean, I cover a lot of uh, sports, obviously. I do some high school coverage for the Boston Herald in addition to working to uh, with WMEX and WATD, as you mentioned. Uh, typically on the pro side of things, I cover the Celtics and the Bruins. Um, and last week I was at the uh, NBA draft night over at the Auerbach Center. Um pretty dramatic evening for the Celtics. They made a lot of moves and it certainly was a fun evening of coverage for sure. Um, now I'm just curious to see how they're going to approach the rest of the off season. And that's yeah. where I believe we're going to start today. And I, it's a great jumping off point because I want to go around the NBA, but let's start with the biggest move so far this off season is the Celtics completing a three team deal with Memphis and Washington. They get two first round picks, they get Chris Stapps Porzingis, but they also trade out Marcus smart. He goes to Memphis I wanted to get your thoughts on how the Celtics are going to look without Marcus Smart, and do you think he was the right one of their guards to trade? I think initially the main goal was to trade Malcolm Brogdon as part of that deal, uh, and it just didn't work out because of his injury history, and the L.A. Clippers bowed out of that move. So Celtics had to address it in a different way, and they ended up partnering with Memphis, sending Marcus Smart, team uh, captain of nine years, out the door basically, and in exchange, they end up bringing in Kristaps Porzingis, who addresses a major need, which is a secondary uh, big man, a secondary scorer that they need. Um, they've got now. I don't know if it's a big three per se. They tried to say it was with Marcus Smart here. Does Porzingis make it a big three with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? I don't know. Uh, but I, he does provide you a whole different set of uh, options for sure. And I. I think Brad Stevens addressed this big time in his conference when they made the uh, move. Like we were wondering, is act is Brad actually going to address the media and talk about this deal that they just pulled off because it wasn't official in quotes at the time? He addressed it heavily, and we were wondering what was going on. It's because they were in, they finalized the move right before the conference, and then they released a press release during the conference. So, uh, if the deal's set in stone, question is. Does Porzingis put you over the top? I think he gets you a little bit closer. I don't, but you sacrifice a lot defensively. Offensively, though, I think they got better. And you mentioned Porzingis gets them a little closer. I feel like we might agree on this. We might not. Porzingis to me is just a flat out better player than Marcus Smart. Now, Marcus Smart's a good player and he does a lot, but if you're just looking player for player, Porzingis is a better shooter. He can post up well. He's a solid interior defender. He gives them a lot of elements offensively that Marcus Smart doesn't, and he's solid defensively. Now, he's not going to win a Defensive Player of the Year award like Smart did a couple years ago, but I feel like they're still, on the whole, a better basketball team than they were a couple weeks ago. For you, Brendan, do you view them, A, as a better basketball team, but also how do you view the culture of the team now? Because you mentioned Marcus Smart was a team captain, been here nine years. Do you think there is now a big shift in the culture beyond just are they better or not on the court? Offensively, I think they 
got leaps and bounds better. That's the thing. Uh, by adding Porzingis, you get a lot of new combinations. And that's what Brad Stevens emphasized during his conference when they made the move. Uh, the fact that they're able to give a lot more uh, playing time to big guys on the court and being able to pull this kind of stuff off. Um, defensively, like I said, I think they sacrificed just a little bit. But did they really sacrifice a ton? Probably not because – I think Porzingis gives you a different aspect of defense. Like he's a, he's going to be a stone wall for you down there. And when Robert Williams inevitably gets hurt, you have that backup option right there. I think Porzingis and Williams will complement each other perfectly in this case, because they're both often injured. They both need time off and putting these guys in this situation is a, you know, one that teams don't have the benefit of for the most part. So I think this will help both of them in their careers moving forward. If it lasts long-term. Do you think the Celtics, now you mentioned Malcolm Brogdon earlier and this deal initially included him. Do you think they still move Malcolm Brogdon at some point this summer? Or are they now going to roll with White, Brogdon, and Peyton Pritchard as their three guards? I still think that they're going to try and clear some more cap space. Now, does that mean Grant Williams is leaving? I don't know. Like earlier today, the contract there was a rumor that they extended a contract to him. Yeah, and it's a qualifying to, offer at exactly. least. Exactly. It's up to the rest of the NBA to see if they want to match it. Um, so who does that leave? I'd have to think it's Brogdon who gives you a pretty big cap hit. And if you uh, just let him go, or if you trade him for a, a significant piece or a uh, trade exception of sorts, I think that clears the door for something else. And I think that's what the team is looking for at the moment. Um, and I feel like this was kind of part of their ultimate offseason plan was to move Brogdon at some point. That's just yeah. from reading the tea leaves. It seemed like that was their first choice to get Brogdon out. And then when that didn't work out, the Clippers weren't comfortable with the medicals. They pivoted and they moved smart in the deal. I think either way they wanted Porzingis. Like this feels to me like the Celtics had their eyes on Porzingis all along. And initially they were going to part with Brogdon, but they were perfectly comfortable if it took smart to still get Porzingis, they were going to do it because it just felt like Porzingis, it's not just a guy they wanted it gives them an element they haven't had because Robert Williams is great defensively mm -hmm. and he's great interior rebounding and scoring. Al Horford is a good shooter. Some would say elite shooter, including Al, but he's a good shooter. Porzingis gives you a little bit of both. So if he's on the floor with Robert Williams, he can stretch things a little bit. When he's on the floor with Horford, he can play inside and he can even play. If you want to call it a small ball lineup where he's at the five Tatum's at the four Brown at the three with white and Brogdon out there, which still for a small ball lineup is pretty big. So I think Porzingis gives them an element that they really haven't as great as the Celtics have been the last few years. It gives them an element they really haven't had. They've had a glut of guards. That was the problem. And, Obviously, the biggest uh, need was a big man. Why not just substitute one of your most expensive guards for that position of need? And that's what sure. they attempted to do here. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out, and they had to part ways with a team leader and kind of the heart and soul of the franchise. Now, did I think Marcus Smart was overrated at times by the Celtics fans? I don't want to say all the time. I think he gave you some winning plays and some critical play when you needed it, but at times, yes, I, I think he was kind of that guy. Uh, like people have tried to tell me he's like a like a Nomar comp. Like he was overrated for a little while. I think Nomar at his peak, we don't cross sports on sports map radio that often, but I think at his peak, Nomar was like an MVP candidate. Yeah, he was a better player than Smart. I think so, yeah. right. Marcus Smart was also overrated by the fans here, but he was never at that level. 
So yeah. I think it, it's going to hurt, like just in terms of the team spirit initially. But over time, you'll come to learn that Kristaps Porzingis will address a need if he stays healthy, and he'll get you closer to your ultimate goal of winning a championship. Moving beyond the Celtics, Brendan, one thing I found really interesting today, and we record this on June 29th, as NBA and NHL free agency are both right around the corner, reports that Kyrie Irving may speak with the Phoenix Suns about potentially joining him. Now, this is a team that has Kevin Durant on a max deal, Devin Booker's on a max deal, DeAndre Ayton's on a max deal, and they just traded for Bradley Beal on a max deal. So, is there a realistic scenario, Brendan, that Phoenix ends up with Kyrie Irving? I mean, you, you have to part ways with one of those pieces, I would assume, right? right. Like, and it just doesn't make Durant, sense. Right? It doesn't make sense. So sign and trade with DeAndre Ayton or something? Who knows? Like, get rid of one of the pieces that doesn't belong in that mix and then try to add this potential time bomb to your rotation? We'll see. We've seen it work in Cleveland, but that's about it. I don't know. Can you imagine if Kyrie Irving gets added to this mix and it blows up again? Well, here's my thing, too. Like, I, I, I thought Dallas was the perfect match for him because he only had to mix with one other player for the most yeah. part. He only had to get along with one player, and they would have gone on a run, I thought, and it didn't work out. Now, yeah. and, and what's going to happen too, if he goes to this? Right, and here's my thing, too. Like, if you look at Phoenix, okay, they have Kevin Durant and then a really great guard in Booker, all right? Well, he already kind of tried that in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant and a great guard in James Harden, and it didn't work at all. And I know the Phoenix Suns have Bradley Beal, so that's another element to it, but you're right. Then that's another star he has to get along with. So I would assume— Another guard. Another point. Right, guard. another, yeah, score. Like So if they trade Aiton here, you're looking at a guy, and I know Aiton in the playoffs— did not play as well as he had in the regular season, but he averaged 18 and 10 last year. That's a good rebounder, solid inside scorer. Makes the least sense, but in terms of chemistry, that seems to be the name that everyone is floating out as the guy who would be on the move. Now, my question to you too, Brendan, and this goes along with that a little bit, whether it's Kyrie or let's just say someone else, would you rather the Suns, if you're them, do you think they're better off rolling with having four stars or four max guys or should they move a guy like Aiton for more bench pieces and a little bit more depth and then still have three stars? Hmm. I mean, it's a risk either way because you're dealing with so many ball-dominant players that there's a chance that the chemistry doesn't work. Either path, like it's a big yeah. risk. So you have to identify what pieces are more important to you. Personally, I think a big star in this case, Aiton, might be more beneficial to their team because it feels like they've got so many wings, so many yeah. ball dominant guards, but it feels like he's on the way out. So I don't know. It just feels like they're going to take the risk and go guard heavy, go small ball lineup and it could backfire, but that's just my overall opinion. I don't know if they yeah. can contend with some of the other teams in the West and get over the hurdle with that group. And the thing about Phoenix, like if I'm the Suns. The, they're the only team that took Denver to more than five games in the playoffs. And that was with Durant only playing a handful of games because of his injury and obviously the midseason trade. So I feel like if I'm the Suns, I feel like I'm pretty close and, and I have a real chance to beat Denver. And look, if you're Phoenix, if you beat Denver in the second round, 
I think you probably beat the Lakers in the conference finals and you probably beat Miami in the NBA finals and you're champion. So for Phoenix to get Bradley Beal makes a lot of sense because I think they probably view themselves as very close to go get Kyrie Irving and potentially trade Aiden. I don't think that makes them any closer than they are right now. In fact, it may pull them back a little bit more because even though Aiden is not on the same level as Nikola Jokic, at least it's a big that gives you some sort of answer against Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets. Jokic would still outplay him 10 days out of 10. But at least it's if you don't have Aiton, you don't have any real bigs that can counter Jokic at all, especially if you have Kyrie. So if I'm Phoenix, I I don't entertain the Kyrie thing because I think they're already good enough that they can win the West. And I don't think Kyrie, let's say swapping him for Aiton, makes them any better. And talented bigs are at a premium in this league. You can't find them anymore. They're very hard to find. And if you do get them, typically they get hurt frequently. So that's the issue that you would pre- uh, present yourself with if you're Phoenix and getting rid of uh, Aiton in this scenario. I just think it's the route they're going to go at this the, stage of the game. Yeah. The other major NBA story too, also out West, Victor Wembenyama was picked first overall by the San Antonio Spurs. I wanted the Celtics to trade for that. Yeah, pick. I know. So too bad, bad they couldn't trade up. So, so I, I wanted, look, th- this is probably the most hype prospect since, all right, maybe you can say Zion, LeBron. but it really feels like since LeBron in 2003, LeBron. I don't think you could probably find a better fit for him than Greg Popovich in, in the Spurs. I want your thoughts, though. How quickly do you think he's going to make the Spurs a legit playoff contender? I He's played professionally for the most part for the last couple of years overseas. So I don't think it would take as long as a college prospect. I would give it maybe like two seasons before you start okay. seeing the real impact because they still have to build around him. They still have to add some necessary pieces. Remember, this is a dominant team that went through a dynasty and then basically just – tore it down to its skids at one point because they knew it was time. They knew they had to make the transition. Exactly. Once Kawhi Leonard left, it was time to rebuild. And that's what this team just started doing with this pick. I think with Webb and Yama, he'll be an all-star in two years. And this team will be on the cusp of not just playoff contention, but maybe getting to the Western Conference Finals very soon. Yeah, in the West, like we just talked about Phoenix and Denver. You get beyond that. that? Right, beyond that. I mean, Sacramento... It had a good season, but they're still a young team that lost in the first what, you round. You think the victory beam is going to take you to the title? I don't know. Yeah, and and Golden State, you, you're never going to count them out, but they're not they're the dominant for, force that maybe they were two years ago, five years ago. So the West is pretty open. Like for Wembenyama to come to the West, I think you're right. He's probably going to have a playoff level impact sooner than a most college athletes would, but b also probably sooner than he would have in the East, just because the West is a little bit more open. So, Brendan, we've talked quite a bit of NBA here. I do want to get your thoughts on the NHL offseason. The draft was earlier this week, and free agency starts this weekend. So we'll get to that right after this quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back into Coach Time. Thank you to our sponsors for that quick word. I'm John Lyons, your host, and I am joined by the King of Quincy, Brendan Connolly. Brendan, we spent the whole first half of the show talking about NBA free agency in the offseason, which starts literally now, June 30th. And NHL offseason is also fully underway. They had their draft. Connor Bedard went number one overall this week. NHL free agency starts this weekend. I want to get your thoughts. Let's start with the NHL awards. 
So we saw the Boston Bruins, the best regular season team ever, walk away with the Coach of the Year Award for Jim Montgomery. Linus Olmark won the Vesna. Patrice Bergeron won his record sixth Selkie Award. They should just name it the Bergeron Trophy, I think, at this point. Just want to get your Why thoughts. Not? and Yeah, right. And, and you can stay Bruins-specific, or you can go beyond that, because I know you cover the Bruins as well. Your thoughts on the NHL awards? I thought it was unique, especially in the Bruins case. Uh, obviously, we saw the great speech from Jim Montgomery and his, you know, speech about overcoming his addictions with alcoholism and then coming back to win this award with one of the most historic seasons, regular seasons in uh, NHL history. That's obviously a great story unto itself. Uh, but I thought Linus Hallmark's comments were a huge story as well. They became a bigger story. And I don't even know if he knew just the weight of his words in said speeches it just felt like he knows big changes were coming and the birds have already started to make said changes it feels like they've already parted ways with a couple of key core uh pieces of their roster and it feels like he could be one of the next ones to go that just gets is my opinion right out of the gate and now would you i know Olmark feels that way would you trade Olmark and roll with swayman as your one or would you keep him around and keep the platoon situation from last year so the big hot take around the NHL trade deadline in this city was should the Bruins trade one of their goaltenders and people were going crazy. They took out their pitchforks and they were saying, no, never, this would never happen. We can't do it. How dare you? And then I think in the same evening as said hot take started to get floating around, Lena Selmark scored a goal. Like it was bananas, like just the craziest week in trade deadline history for the bees. I think, um, and I don't think at that time it was right because the chemistry was just flowing and yeah. it felt like everything was correct. Now, I think you're in a whole different boat. I think it might be time to part ways with what have said goaltenders. And it might be, unbelievably, the Ven the uh, Vezina winner in Olmark here because, frankly, I just, just think clearing his uh, contract off the books will open up some uh, cap room for you in this hard cap league, which – you so desperately need, especially if you're the Bruins who went all in at the trade deadline and made a lot of sacrifices and ultimately came up short. Yeah, and Olmark, you know, he was the best goalie in the NHL this season, but at least statistically, Jeremy Swayman was still a top five goalie. So I think it comes down to the, do the Bruins. That's the feel, thing. Yeah, do the Bruins feel Swayman can do that for 50 games or 55 instead of 35, right? Can he take that lead role and still be a top five goalie? And then they can have a veteran backup who's on a cheap contract or a young player back up and roll with that. Like, I think that's really where the Bruins projections are going to come into play, because if you can afford to trade Ulmark, you can get a huge return for him. A guy who has two years left on his deal, just won a Vesna. It's a reasonably affordable deal for a Vesna trophy winning goal. I'm only 5 million. Like when he first signed that's with the, the Bruins, thing. we were like 5 million bucks a year for Ulmark. Like who is this guy now? Well, you got a Vesna winner for bargain. 5 million bucks. Yeah. It's not a bad deal. And I think, Another piece of this, so the biggest piece to me is do they project Swayman being able to be a top five goalie as a starter like he was as a backup? The other and you also piece, have to another piece I would also add to this is you have to address if both goaltenders want to stay in this market long term. Yeah. And it I feel like Omar would be fine with it. The, yeah. I, and you could get a much bigger return for him. But does Jeremy Swayman? I don't know. There's rumors that he wants to return to his home and we're in Alaska, correct? Yeah. I believe he's from Alaska. So he wants to go back to the Northwest and way up in the Northwest, which means there's probably like two or three NHL teams out there that would suit him. 
at the moment. And by the way, a, a team, and this would go for Ulmark too, that could help the Bruins in a trade that needs some goalie help, Edmonton in that northwest it, southwest True. of Canada, northwest of the U.S., right on the border there. But team that just needs a goaltender or some help defensively to get over the hump. Yeah, and I think another big piece of this is what's going to happen with Bergeron and Krejci. Because personally, I think Krejci's gone. And if Krejci's gone, you can put Pavel Zaka as your number two center and be okay. He played that in the playoff series against Florida and was fine. He had some time during the regular season, and he played well there. But if you lose Bergeron too... Now you need a legit top two center. And I think the best way to get that is to trade Olmark or Swayman. And, and probably sure. Olmark in this case, just because the top two centers are so valuable, you would have to part with a significant piece in order to get that. And the salary you'd have to pay a top two center would probably match or at least be similar to what you would give up in an Olmark salary. So I think you really have to project out, can Swayman be the guy? And if yes, you can maybe trade Olmark for that top center. If no, then you can trade Swayman for that top center and maybe not quite as much as you'd get for Ulmark. But I think those are the two big questions to answer in the goalie situation. But I think you can make the case, Brennan, the biggest question to answer is Tyler Bertuzzi. Now, the Bruins mm. just traded Taylor Hall. They took $6 million off the books. I would love it if they used that $6 million to just give Bertuzzi a contract. I feel like Bertuzzi is the number one priority for this team in the offseason. I'm curious Sounds if you like agree it. or you disagree. It sounds like it, based on everything I've heard. Unfortunately, uh, there have been rumors that Steve, uh, I think it was Steve Conroy, colleague of mine at the Herald, who had this report out that uh, they weren't really close on a deal with Bertuzzi and that he could potentially be on his way out the door, which would be a massive loss for this yeah. team moving forward, especially given all the pieces that they gave up. That's right. the thing. Like You sacrificed, you mortgaged your future to go all in at this trade deadline. And if you don't keep any of the assets, right. you because you might lose Orlov already, you could lose half the way you're right. And if you don't keep Bertuzzi on top of it, that's the thing. Like it feels like Orlov's already out the door. I feel like you could get Hathaway here on a discount because he's a local guy, but I don't know. That would hurt too being a loss there. And then if you lose Bertuzzi with the loss of Hall already, I don't know if it's one that this team can sustain. And the thing about Bertuzzi is not only did you give up a lot to get him, he had 10 points in seven games in the first round of the playoffs. He had five goals. He was their best forward. He was the, the only one who showed up. Yeah. I mean, Taylor Hall had some good moments. Pasternak had some, I thought, good games. But on the balance of the seven games, Bertuzzi was their best forward. So you have a guy here who's in his prime, who you just traded a lot to get, who is your best forward in the playoffs. Like, I think if you don't re-sign him, especially after trading Hall to free up $6 million in cap space, that's a pretty big failure. And, and this is a Bruins team that, look, you and I know, they're not going to win 65 regular season games again, obviously. But they're good enough that they could make a deep playoff run next year. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if they won fewer regular season games but got deeper in the playoffs because they're still going to have Pasternak, they're still going to have McAvoy. They're going to have at least one of Ulmark and Swayman, maybe both. They'll still have Brandon Carlo and Lindholm, maybe Grizzlick as well. Like they'll still have a lot of good pieces. And if you keep Bertuzzi, that could help you go deeper into the playoffs. And but if not, I think that's a huge failure because then you go from a team that I still think, look, even without Krejci and Bergeron, if they have Zaka at one center and they find a center, another center replacement for Bergeron you still have one of the best rosters in the Eastern Conference. Maybe not far and away the best like last year, but you still have one of the best. So if you don't re-sign Bertuzzi, I think that's a major failure because not only 
Is it going to hurt you in the obvious short term? It's going to hurt you in the long term. Because if you look at the Bruins two or three years from now, you're not going to have Bergeron. You're not going to have Krejci. You very well might not have Marshan. Your new core, McAvoy, Pasternak, Swayman, and then a guy like Bertuzzi, I think would be so valuable. So I think... To me, it's a no-brainer to re-sign Bertuzzi, and given what they gave up for him and how good he was in the playoffs, I think it's a failure if they don't. Yeah, and I think it's it would be especially a big loss just given the uh, again the uh, loss of Taylor Hall. You basically cut him for his salary dump straight up. That's what this was. They basically traded for a bunch of guys who cost them veteran minimum. Now. It feels like the Bruins have also turned their attention to bringing back a former uh, member of their roster from a few years ago to kind of supercharge the fan base, Milan Lucic, now at this stage of his career. Do I think Milan Lucic is going to provide much for this team? No. Does he provide the entertainment value maybe once in a while? Possibly. Only at the right price, however. If he's being signed for the veteran minimum, I like this move for the Bruins. If not, if they go overboard... It's the dumbest move of all time. Yeah, and he had, I mean, we're talking seven goals in 77 games last year. So Lucic is not going to come in and replace Taylor Hall's scoring and talent about it. We know that. But what I think he could be valuable, first of all, he's going to be affordable. And if you put him on the third line with Coil, that's a lot of beef and toughness on your third line. I like that. And he's a guy that's won a cup. And I think if you lose Krejci and potentially lose Bergeron, you want guys in that room that have won a cup. Yeah, and if you lose Krejci and Bergeron, I think it would be, what, just Marshan is the only guy left from 2011? So you don't have a lot of guys, and I know Orlov had won a cup with Washington, but he may be gone. If Hathaway, I think he was on that 2018 cup team with Washington. But still, very few guys on your team have won a cup. And I also wonder if Lucic comes back and he has a really good relationship with either Krejci or Bergeron, does that maybe give them an extra incentive to come back for one more year and help you out at center? That could be key. Too. I mean, Lucic played many years with Krejci and played well. I don't think he'd play with him now if they were both back. But just being teammates, you wonder if that's an incentive there. So for the reports, are it's going to be about a $900,000 contract. I think that's a great decision to bring him back because you're not expecting any offense. You're not expecting elite power forward play like you got in 2011. But if he's a guy in the room that knows what it takes to win a cup and he can be tough and he can give you 77 games on your third line, I think it's well worth the $900,000. Yeah, and that was the number I saw being rumored out there. I think it was somebody from EEI potentially who put it out. I'm not 100% certain, but um, if that's the case, I would definitely take Milan Lucic back. And Honestly, I thought I saw him in the north end a few weeks ago, and I was wondering why, and now I'm kind of upset that I didn't tweet about it. Uh, And unfortunately, it looks like I feel – I just get the sense that Krejci is automatically going to leave – my days of running yeah. into him at raising canes after a Bruins practice are definitely over, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I agree. I think Krejci's gone either way. I think the one guy you might get back, but we won't know for a month, month and a half, is Bergeron. Right. And I wonder if if he feels, hey, Does the team I can know it. Right. And and Don Sweeney said they're operating as though he's not going to come back. I wonder if he feels, hey, maybe I have a chance to win another cup, play with Lucic for one more year, one more shot, and do it. I think that is how you get him back, but I think Krejci's definitely gone. And I think if Bergeron's gone, then we could see some other major movement on the roster because you'd have to address that center position beyond just moving Zaka to one of the top two center spots. Well, Brendan, it was a pleasure having you on this program. 
Hey, it was a pleasure to join the Believe Sports Network. John, thanks again for having me on uh, Coach Time. All right. He is Brendan Connolly, the king of Quincy. We talk some Bruins. We talk some Celtics. We talk some Phoenix Suns in general NBA free agency. If you ever need to hear Brendan, you can hear him on the Sports Map Radio Network. You can see his work in the Boston Herald, WMEX, WATD. He always does a great job. Brendan, until next time, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon, John. Thanks again. 